Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Happy Wednesday, Bills Mafia. The off-season spring portion of the off-season is officially in the books. The Bills wrapped up their mini camp a day early, as expected today with their final practice of mandatory mini camp. We are on to a few weeks off. Shop podcast not going anywhere, but the Bills are going to be off uh, the next couple weeks. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you today by Value Home Center's Ryan Talbot, tell us a little bit about it. You you, you noticed something on, on social media. Throw it down. Oh, yeah. Value right now, Bills Mafia has what you need on a hot, hot day. Head over to your local Value. Check out their selection of air conditioners and fans on sale now. I was reading a baseball article that said, uh, you know, you should really think about your kids in the dugout. Because, you know, as coaches, we wear shorts and T-shirts, but the kids are wearing like pants and Heavy socks sometimes. So you want to give them like a little fan, like with a little mister maybe even. Uh, so, yeah, head over to Value. Uh, they're celebrating the grand opening of their store in Bath, New York. You can enter to win one of 36 $250 Value gift cards. To really take care of anything that you want to do uh, for this summer season. All right, Ryan Talbot, the observations are out. People can start diving in right now over at Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. It was, it was a hot one down uh, on the practice field today. We were finding any type of little spot on the field for a little shade, but things were getting dialed up on the defensive side of the ball. Where do you want to start here with uh, this final practice report? Well, let's start with the first round pick, Kyrie Elam. He was in your lead, so let's uh, hear a little bit about his day, Matt. Yeah, so Elam, I mentioned it, uh, I think, a few episodes ago, just about the way that he's been competing in practice, and today he finally had his big moment. With Tredavious White out, there's going to be a lot of these potential moments. And by the way, don't don't let me get out of here without commenting on that shirt that you're wearing today. <laughs> Snazzy. He's going to have a lot of these moments over the course of the next few uh, months here as he gets a chance to, as Tredavious White is getting ramped up. And I've seen a lot of people asking, I haven't put it in, in articles, but Tredavious White is not practicing yet. I've been, uh, that's not, that hasn't been something that he's not there yet. And, and so I've, I've noticed people asking a lot about that. It's been uh, a lot of Kyrie Elam. And today he made a big time play. And listen, it was a miscommunication. Jamison Crowder, who we get to also talk about here in a minute. Uh, I think he thought he was supposed to sit down on a route. I think Josh Allen thought he was going to kind of break it down the sideline. He didn't. And so Allen kind of floated it up thinking that Crowder would be there in kind of a 50-50 kind of ball situation, which I'd probably give the advantage in that situation to Elam anyway. But Elam... You know, you could tell that, you know, his mouth started to water. As soon as that ball went up in the air, he noticed that Crowder had stopped. He turned on the afterburners, got tracked down the ball, made the catch, and he had to get both beat down. 
uh, inbounds. He did, and it was a really special play. It really got the juices flowing uh, on the defensive side of the ball. That was pretty early on in, in teamwork. And so, yeah, Kyrie Elam making a big-time play against Josh Allen. When you can pick off Josh Allen in practice, I bet you Tredavious White even at this point still gets a little excited about it. Oh, absolutely. And it goes back to uh, when he was drafted and they had a little text conversation or actually a phone conversation where they, they talked about being excited to practice against one another. And Elam was excited to try to get the best of Allen. And, you know, on a you, you mentioned it was a miscommunication, but he read the play right. He knew where he was going. He was able to track the ball, get his feet in. That's great for a confidence booster, uh, because whether Trey White is ready week one or not, there's a good chance that Kyrie Elam is going to be out there on the field, whether it's his cornerback two or whether he's out there maybe as cornerback one opposite Dane Jackson or however that combination would be if Trey White's still not ready. So you want to get him all these reps possible. You want to get all those younger guys the reps possible because you know that when Trey White is ready to come back, you know what you're going to get out of him. Now it's all about getting Elam ready to go and getting Dane Jackson ready to go. So Really encouraging sign from Elam. Uh, kind of goes to him, you know, the the mental reps. I loved your quote in there, and then maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that from Micah Hyde in terms of what he's seeing from Kyrie Elam. Matt. Yeah, and I mentioned it in the in the write up where it's just been like everything was coming to Elam fast back at rookie minicamp, right? Like, you know, he wanted the playbook on the plane. He started kind of learning it, but you saw like just going through the mental reps of it. And I've been really impressed to see. I didn't know if we'd see it in the spring he's able to make a bang, bang play and just react out there. And you see kind of the athletic traits and that's got to get you excited as a bills fan. But yeah, to your point, now it's going to be about working with some of these other guys, you know, the, you know, leaning on these veterans, Micah high or employer, seeing what it was going to be like with them there. I think this was a big week for Elam from that department. And this is exactly what Micah said uh, yesterday. You can already tell that Kyir, he just listens. He pays attention. I don't know necessarily who he was coached by, his upbringing, all that type of stuff, but they definitely taught him well, coached him well because he's all ears. You can tell as I'm saying stuff, he's already taking mental notes. That's how Tredavious was when he first got here. He was battling on the football field, which Kay is already doing, but also just learning from his mistakes and learning from the older guys. And there was a few plays where you start to see the, the communication uh, pattern for these guys out there. And, you know, Kyrie Elam, that's got to be a big time confidence boost when you can kind of look over to your left or look over to your right and there's an all pro in Jordan Poyer or an all pro in Micah Hyde those kinds of moments and, and it's not to downplay playing with you know Jaquan Johnson and Demar Hamlin and Josh Thomas and or Nim McLeod whoever's whoever ends up being back there but it's just a little bit different when you see Hyde and Poyer yeah, 100%. Listen, those are guys that know uh, just about every wrinkle of this defense, anything that you need to know. They'll make sure that you are in position pre-snap, uh, that you're in a position to win, and, and you're going to listen to guys like that. And, and, you know, I know Hyde kind of said, I don't know about his upbringing, but, man, he, that's another advantage for Elam. Dad, NFL uh, defensive back, uncle, NFL defensive back. So he has those, those good bloodlines uh, and I'm sure he grew up watching them play and, and learning from them. So I, I think he's on the fast track, Matt, to make an impact here sooner rather than later. I see one question in the chat about the swing tackle job, and that's going to be really interesting. I want to give a shout out to uh, our guy, Joe Marino. Uh, hopefully we're working on something for another collab show here in the next couple months. I think he's going to be in town. Um, I'll be down in, actually in Carolina uh, for the preseason game. So we'll see what uh, we can get cooking. I listen to Joe's podcast whenever I get a chance. And he was giving us a lot of love yesterday on one of his shows. And he had mentioned, I thought it was a really good take, you know, with Spencer Brown being out, 
throughout the spring here. It's given, you know, Tommy Doyle, of course, reps, but it's also allowed David Questenberry, a guy that they brought in probably to compete for that swing tackle job, a lot of reps, you know, here over the last uh, few weeks. And that's going to interestingly become quite a competition there at right tackle, Ryan. When you get to training camp, Questenberry's got a lot of years in this league. I thought Spencer Brown at times was really good last year, but I think we also saw, you know, uh, some times where he had some growing pains. If you were more confident, if you're Aaron Cromer and you you want to lean on a couple bets on your line and you're a little bit worried about maybe a second-year drop-off from Spencer Brown, that could be a really interesting camp battle when we get to St. John Fisher. It would definitely be one that wasn't on our radar maybe a month or two ago for sure, and, and it will be interesting because, listen, Cromer doesn't have – uh, he wasn't in the room, so to speak, when, when Spencer Brown was drafted. And, and that being said, I still anticipate Brown being the starting right tackle. I saw a lot of, uh, you know, positive play out of him as the season went on. Uh, you love the traits. You love the athleticism. But it, the longer this goes on, whatever he's dealing with, whatever the ailment is, uh, if Questenberry is getting good reps in there and he's playing a strong football at training camp and in the preseason, you can kind of lean on that and say, hey, listen, Spencer, you know, we like you when you're ready to come back. You're going to get every opportunity. But right now we're going with the veteran again. I still think it's Spencer Brown and, and he has that job. Uh, I don't want to say locked up, but I think he is the heavy favorite at this time. But never say never in this league. And, and real quick, going into the chat here, someone was asking about something we talked about yesterday. Uh, they said I heard McLeod was taking reps at safety. True. Yeah. Leslie Frazier mentioned that. Um, so another, you know, younger player in the mix for some reps there uh, behind that uh, great duo, starting duo that the Bills have. Yeah, Spencer Brown had a procedure. That's all that uh, Sean McDermott uh, gave us uh, earlier uh, in the offseason program. So, you know, we'll monitor that, probably get a chance to talk to him in training camp, get a little bit more clarity on that whole situation. But I think it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a ton of competition across this board. I mean, Greg Van Roten now in the mix, Cody Ford, um, Greg Mance. Uh, there's a lot of interior players. You know, when you get to training camp, you're probably going to see some things where you're going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't expect that. Can't get too far into the details and the weeds <laughs> of that. But stay tuned because you're going to see some interesting things. And maybe once we get to that portion of the season here, we could talk a little bit more about it. And before we get too far into it, I've seen a lot of comments on Terrell Bernard. So let's 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 transition to sure. the rookie linebackers a little bit because I did actually notice um, Balen Specter on a play today. Nothing crazy, but again, just there's a little bit of tenacity. I thought overall, just a practice vibe today. This was the first practice where I felt felt like all right, the defense ratcheted up the intensity a little bit. There you go. You got to get a ratchet in there. <laughs> one time in the podcast every week. That's that's kind of my goal. And the defense as a whole, from the uh, from the defensive line to the back end, and we'll talk a little bit about them. I just thought they were playing fast, and I thought you know there was two occasions where I specifically was watching for Bernard because I've, I've seen a lot of people asking about him. And again, at that second level, when the ball is in a ball carrier's hands, the play is pretty much blown dead before anybody touches them. So yeah, sure, you can look at the pursuit, kind of getting through the weeds, but. You're really avoiding contact there, Ryan. So it's just about, all right, are they in the right spots? And I thought Balen Specter was playing with tenacity. And, and that's as far as I can go on, on. You know, neither of them made any plays. You know, a, a few times throughout camp, you know, guys have gotten their hands on, on balls. But I thought Bernard, he looks quick. He looks athletic. He looks like somebody that he's going to have the ability to make plays just based on his body frame and his, abis- and his ability to kind of change direction really quickly. And that's so important for somebody in that Matt Milano uh, mold because he does that so well. 
Yeah, perfectly said. Matt Milano mold. I mean, uh, height, weight, pretty much the same, a little bit faster than Matt Milano in terms of the speed. So it'll be interesting to see his development and how he comes along. Balin Specter. I thought the door opened up in a big time way for him to make this roster after the Andre Smith suspension was announced. Uh, he's someone that can contribute on special teams. Someone coming out of a big time program at Clemson who, you know, he's played against the best of the best at that program. So you're, you're going to not have to worry necessarily about any kind of, I don't want to say growing pains because there is a big leap, obviously from college to the NFL, but he's played against the best of the best already in his career in college. I think that he's going to be ready to maybe take a, a role as a rookie, as a depth linebacker, but someone that you can see week in week out on special teams. Let's go over to uh, Jamison Crowder because, you know, rewind the clock back uh, a few months uh, when they first signed Crowder. And I, and I thought it was interesting because when they first signed him, I, I started thinking about what was that role on this team last year? I thought in a lot of ways, Cole Beasley's role reduced last year in some ways. They moved more towards, at times, a timeshare in the slot. They used, you know, at times they used Stephon Diggs in the slots. At times they used Gabriel Davis. We saw it in the playoffs, right? So I just didn't know if there was a pronounced role for Crowder. But what, I, what I've been seeing the last couple of weeks and pronounced a bit today he fits in exactly what Cole Beasley has been at his best in this offense. I can now see that with him out on the field. There was a play today where he kind of, you know, settled into a spot on the field where there was nobody around him, just made himself available for the quarterback. I believe it was Josh Allen on that play. Allen rifled one in. He makes the catch. Nice little 15-yard gain. And it just, it's a flashback to everything that Cole Beasley did in this offense. And there was another play, touchdown pass. They got down in the red zone, 11 on 11, and... Uh, it was Case Keenum who just fired one in between. I believe it was Christian Benford. Not necessarily bad coverage. It was just a patient rep from quarterback and receiver. Dialed one in there to him. Uh, DeMar Hamlin was also in the play, and he got a little bit of uh, – he was frustrated because he didn't make the play. I think there was also uh, you know some chirping from whether it be coaches or teammates, like you got you to gotta have your assignment down or whatever. But it was a, he just rifled in the ball. Jameson Crowder is there, makes a, a, a play. I do think that – after, I don't want to say questioning, but maybe trying to really imagine what his role is going to be with all the talent they have in the receiver room, there's definitely going to be a role for him in this offense, I think, Ryan. Yeah, listen, he he was brought in, I thought, for that yard-after-catch perspective, uh, something that they were lacking last year, and that's kind of his bread and butter. You can go to a game against the Bills in, in the last year or two where he caught a ball to 80, about 80 yards distance for a touchdown. It, that's what he's good at, catching the ball and then getting the yards after the catch. Maybe that, you know, that's not a knock on Cole Beasley. Beasley was more likely to catch the ball, be in the right spot, move the chains, but he, he would kind of dive and, and limit his hits. Crowder's going to try to turn it up field and gain those extra yards, which is going to be big for this offense. And, you know, we've talked about other players getting acclimated to this offense. He, he's starting to speed up a little bit. You're starting to see more out of him. He's making some plays in the passing game. And then as the season goes on, as we get into uh, training camp, preseason, regular season, I do think that he's going to be a favorite target of Josh Allen sooner rather than later. Just reading some of the comments here. Elliot uh, asks, is our wide receiver limited scene as we uh, have like seven slot wide receivers and not a lot else on this roster? I, we've talked about this a little bit in recent episodes, but I I think it is a, it, it's an interesting conversation because it's like, all right, how do you view some of these players? Like, In my opinion, I think McKenzie's kind of shifting away from a, 
a slot only role. And that's not based on anything I've seen in practice. I just think it's the next step for what I think he can be. And, you know, Gabriel Davis is ascending into that definitive wide receiver two role. I think that that kind of utility guy role, which I think Davis has played the last two years and he's done it so well, that could kind of go to McKenzie. You could have Crowder be your slot. You can maybe have Tavon Austin be the gadget guy. Or, you know, if you want to do slow play Shakir, if you want a big slot, you have Isaiah Hodgins. You know what they think of Isaiah or of Jay Kumaro. I think all these guys eventually, Ryan, are going to be in the mix. I think Marquez Stevenson adds another element potentially to this offense, they've just kind of given a a bunch, they've collected a bunch of different flavors. It's like when you're at the ice cream stand and you can't really decide on one and you're like, yeah, give me some of that chocolate chip cookie dough. I'll take a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe some, you know, strawberry, a little, uh, you like sherbet? I don't know. Is that still a thing? I'm aging myself a little bit there. Every once in a while, I like a good sherbet, Ryan. What do you think? Yeah, no, not too bad. Not too bad at all. I actually had some of that after my uh, gallbladder surgery. So it was pretty refreshing. Uh, But going to the wide receiver conversation. Yeah, I I like what you said there. Gabriel Davis is going to most likely be that traditional number two receiver. You can put him in the slot in the red zone where he's done a lot of damage in his career if you want to still do that. Uh, You have the versatility to, to kind of play Isaiah McKenzie in a few different spots. Tavon Austin is getting off to a fast start here at uh, minicamp. And mind you, all these players that are on the fence of making this team, like the Austin, Isaiah Hodgins, Stevenson, and then the list goes on and on. They have to carry this over throughout the summer, preseason, et cetera. But I, I like the versatility that this room has and what they can do on any given Sunday. You know what you can do on any given Sunday, Ryan Talbot? You can fire up What's the that? grill. You can fire up that grill, baby. Get it going. Cook some burgers. Cook some dogs. Salins. Whatever you like. I'm an equal opportunity hot dog eater. Okay, that's don't clip that out, please. But the thing about it is right now is the time to get out on the porch, get out on the deck, grill it up. And right now, if you get over to Value Home Centers, they got a deal for you. Get yourself a Weber, a brand new Weber grill, the Spirit E2. $4.99 regularly, Ryan. You can get it right now for $3.99, $100 off. Are you kidding me? Cook up some burgers tonight. What do you put on your burgers, by the way? See, I go with a lot. I, I see a lot of people that are picky about what they put on their burgers. I obviously throw the cheese on it. I what go, kind of cheese? I, I'm going to judge you here. Uh, well, it depends, but I, I'm a provolone guy if a lot of the time. It's I fine. like provolone. Yep. Um, what else? I, oh, ketchup, mustard, relish. No, what other kinds of cheese, Ryan? What other oh, kinds of cheese? American. I do American. Yellow. What and, else? And, oh, I think we've done Munster before. Oh, my gosh. What is this pepper like our jack cheese? I, I Ryan, love pepper. I love pepper jack. Put the pepper jack I... on there. Spice up your life tonight. Right. Get a little pepper jack on there. Yeah, yeah. Ketchup, mustard, uh, relish. I, I go all out, Matt. I go all out. I love it. I put. I, I've been putting jalapenos on the burger. Although, it, do you know anything about jalapenos? Not that you're a farmer or anything, but <laughs> I got jalapeno and. I kept it in the fridge for like five days. I don't know what the shelf life is on it, but I diced it up because I wanted a jalapeno on my burger. Bro, I'm telling you right now, my face was on fire. My lips were vibrating. So I don't know if it was the longer you have a jalapeno, the hotter it gets. But dude, I was hurting. And I went right to the diamond and I didn't have any water. It was a bad time. Like if you would have had a camera there and seen what I was going through. It was a bad time, but you know, I digress. Anyway, get the value home centers, get yourself a new grill, a Weber, mark down to $3.99. It'll make your uh, weekend really pop. Shout.
a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Where do you want to go next, buddy? Oh, let's go to the running backs. We talked about James Cook yesterday. It sounds like Devin Singletary had a good day. You mentioned Zach Moss as well. So why don't you tell uh, Bills fans a little bit about their day? Yeah, you know who I think has had a really strong OTAs and minicamp period, but nothing splashy. I've just been impressed with Zach Moss. Like just looking at him out on the field, I feel like he looks energetic. I think that he looks crisp. I think like he just bang everywhere he goes, bang, bang, bang. I, I just feel like, He's looking like the guy that it's not always been that like just watching him in practice. It hasn't always been, you know, and, and he dealt with an injury last year. I think that was a big part of it. Brandon Bean recently made, you know, mentioned that he made a play today in 11 on 11, made a nice catch, but it was Devin Singletary today that I think made the catch, uh, the, the big catch of the day had a little, it was like a little short pass from Allen who recognized that he was open right away, put it in his hands. We were talking about this on the sidelines, Ryan. What do you think about, Singletary's role as a pass catcher in this offense, because I think so many people are writing in pen James Cook as like a 30 to 50 reception guy in this offense. Like I still think Devin Singletary can has something to offer in the passing game. And he did it today. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it may be an obvious passing downs is when you bring James Cook into the backfield because he is so smooth. He has that acceleration. But the Bills pass the ball a lot on first down and second down as well. And I think there's still a role there for Singletary. And he's going to be playing a lot of those early down roles, in my opinion. He's shown that he can catch the ball. He's shown that he's very shifty. He doesn't have that extra gear that a James Cook has. But I think that there is still certainly a role for him in the passing game. As for Zach Moss, you mentioned it. Brandon Bean said he couldn't cut to, I think he said to his left uh, last year because of the, the procedure and the injury he was coming off of. And he said, I expect him to be better this year. And, and you're mentioning he, he's kind of, you know, uh, flying under the radar here, having a really solid uh, offseason to this point. And I, I think that one, maybe there's a little motivation when you draft another running back uh, to this room when you already have your, you know, Moss in this case and Singletary, former third round picks in both instances. Hey, but I also think that there's a clear path for him to this roster because Cook is more like Duke Johnson where Moss offers a little bit something different, where if he can look like that player that the Bills thought they were going to be getting, that guy that can pick up the tough yards, the guy that can uh, be that battering ram between the tackles, then he's going to force his way onto the field as well. So encouraging signs. Glad to see that Zach Moss is off to a good start this offseason, as Brandon Bean kind of predicted. Let's go to the defensive line, which I thought really set the tone today. We mentioned it in these practices over the last couple of weeks, and – it's hard without pads for the defensive linemen to really impact the game. But you could just tell today the energy was higher. They were getting into the backfield. They were trying to make it a little bit harder on the quarterbacks, and they did. And I thought a few times they impacted Josh Allen. And one in particular was A.J. Epinesa, just a great rep. And honestly, from where I was standing, I couldn't really tell who he was going up against. Um, it could have been Deion Dawkins. I, I, I'm not sure. But he won his rep solidly. Like, before you even knew – 
what was happening was a, a play action to uh, Zach Moss. He tried to hand it off to him. He kept the ball. It was going to look downfield. Usually what happens is the, the defensive player peels off. And I don't even think Epinesa had a chance to peel off because after the, the, the motion to Moss, he was literally in Josh Allen's lap. And Josh Allen kind of just hung his head down, put the ball down. The play was blown dead, and it was a sack. And, you know, that's a good sign. We heard from A.J. Epinesa after practice. Um, he's in good spirits. I asked him specifically about your second season ends. You had, you're now two years in, and you have two and a half sacks to your name in two seasons as a former second-round pick. And you're going into an offseason, you know, where expectations are going to start to rise. You know, they don't bring back Jerry Hughes. Uh, it could have been Bobby Hart, Pops Mafia on YouTube. It could have very well been Bobby Hart. That would probably be a little bit more according to script. So fine. But I asked Epinesa, like, how much frustration was there on your end for the lack of success, you know, point blank the last two years? And he's like, you know, I don't think too much about it. That's what he said. And it's more just been about how do I add things to my game? How do I take my game to the next level? And so he's, he went to Florida he moved in with his sister, actually, who who cooked for him. She's a nutritional specialist. So he's really trying to get his body right. He's kind of changed his workout regimen. He's added a little bit of strength, a little bit of muscle, kind of in the uh, Greg Rousseau vein. And he said he went to the pass rush su- summit uh, with Von Miller, with Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau. And the three of them t- together just kind of took notes spent all their time in Vegas together, and they've already seen the fruits of that labor. They've, they've been trying to employ some of that stuff in the practice set in the last couple of weeks, and they've already seen you know, it pay dividends. And so he's come in with a, a, a great mindset, which I think is going to be important. When I put out the, the, the tweet for the story, I put a little uh, you know, strong emoji on AJ Epinesa, and one of the first comments was, I'm not going to let my heart fall in love with AJ Epinesa again, and I and I get it. There's been some Bills fans that have been high on Epinesa at certain times, and he just hasn't really panned out yet, but you know, there's just not a lot of pressure on him now with, with Von Miller here, Rousseau probably, you know, you figure he's probably going to be this number two guy. I think Boogie Basham's in line for a big jump, so I just think maybe Epinesa could kind of work in the shadows a little bit, and maybe that might be a good thing for him uh, going into year three here. Yeah, and th- this is why the Pass Rush Summit, Tight End University are so good for players. You're, you're learning from the best of the best. You're taking notes. You're going to then try to implement what you've learned into your game, make it work for you. And in the case of AJ Epinesa too, going into this offset season saying, you know, listen, I got to kind of change my body around a little bit. That's not to say you didn't take these first few years seriously. It's just what was what was happening there wasn't working. So let me try something different getting serious, moving with the sister uh, nutritionist, getting the body right. Uh, you mentioned it. There's been times where fans have fallen in love with this game. I, you know, that game against Miami last year, I know they didn't have the best offensive line, but he was all over the field. He crazy amount of pass rushes and pressures in that game. I want to say it was something like 15 when all was said and done, just a ridiculous total for a one game. And then he kind of just disappeared. So he's trying to take that next step in a room with a lot of young guys. But now you have Von Miller in that room, too. So that pass rush summit kind of continues all year because you can go to him and be like, hey, listen, what did I do wrong or what, you know, what can I do better on this, that or the other? And Von Miller, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's going to be an open book for Epinesa, uh, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, and the list goes on. And that's only going to benefit those young players over these next few years when Von Miller is in the locker room with them. 
Yeah. Um, I thought another guy that I wanted to mention was uh, Brandon Bryant. Um, he's a guy that probably you don't think too much about now that the Bills did so much work on their interior. I mean, bringing in Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, you know, Jordan Phillips, who, who I think is, you know, probably in line for a pretty big role himself. I mean, I, people forget about how dominant he was in this Bills defensive line. I know a lot of people like to argue that a lot of his production, sack production was, you know, coverage sacks or, you know, basically, uh, you know, he kind of ate because of the defensive line that he played on, but he's still got to bring the quarterback down and he did it nine and a half times. And so, you know, I think that they're excited about what he brings. And Oliver definitely sounded excited about it today, you know, saying that, you know, having Big Phil back on the on the defensive line, he's like he's like a big brother. He's like a protector. When he's out there, he brings juice, of course, but he's also kind of like an enforcer in a lot of ways. Like Ed Oliver talked about a couple of years ago, just anybody in his rookie year in 19, anybody that tried to mess with him, you know, he's a tough guy in his own right, but Phillips is right there to kind of stick up for his guys. And that kind of stuff means something in the locker room. Um, back to Bryant for a moment. He had two plays today that I thought really stood out. The first, he almost t- tipped a pass from Josh Allen to Zach Moss. I think he might have gotten a fingertip to it on it. Then ended up batting down a pass from Case Keenum. And in these kinds of drills, those those plays are almost more impressive than the sacks because you really – that's the one way as a defensive lineman you can impact the play in this kind of non-padded practice environment. And so Bryant gets a uh, full mark for today's practice and – it was a situation where last year he got in a few games. They called him up. Uh, I thought Ilianku probably outplayed him a little bit in, in their opportunities. And, you know, watching Anku out on the practice field, I, I did write in my notebook that, man, he for his size, he is just he, – he's really fluid. He moves really well, uh, Ilianku. But I think Bryant – both of these guys really are kind of in the same bucket. You probably put them on, on your practice squad. They're probably not going to end up making the final 53-man roster, but really nice, valuable depth to have uh, at the point of attack where Sean McDermott really values you know, those players on his defensive line. Yeah, the, the benefit of having some veterans on that practice squad when all is said and done, some guys that have played some actual reps, live game action that you can count on in the event of an injury or when you just uh, maybe think you're going to be playing team that's going to be a run first team and in 2022 you could always promote them for games like that in the event that they're needed so always good to have depth like that and, and that's the one thing this bill's roster is loaded at depth across the board both sides of the ball but uh brian yeah brian i thought flashed at times last year like you mentioned i thought he made some plays and in a star-studded bill's roster he's not gonna you're not gonna hear his name very often but it, it's positive that you meant you noted him twice today you saw him do some things and uh, made a point of putting him in your observations, Matt. But listen, mm-hmm. looking in the comments, there is a lot of Puntapalooza talk. And something big did happen today with holding the ball. It was just one snap, and it wasn't necessarily Reed Ferguson snapping the ball. But maybe you can shed some light on that a little bit. Um, there was really not anything to report on Puntapalooza today. In the, in the warm-ups, uh, it was the machine that was doing it. And honestly, I really don't know how much I could say about the punt stuff in terms of returner. So I'm just going to pass on that. You'll really get a, you'll get a visual once camp starts on who is back there and what they're doing. But again, I don't know how much I could say on that. So I want to stay away from it, but there was no hold today. There was no field goal attempts today. And so I think really overall, you'll look at the entire spring program here. The fact that we didn't see Matt Ariza hold one single time 
it might be a little chess from Sean McDermott wanting to kind of keep those cards uh, hidden away. And so, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, delayed in terms of evaluate evaluations in the media uh, of Matt Arise's holding. And really, that's going to be one of the top storylines when we go into training camp. Everybody's going to be, you know, stop what they're doing when the when the kick coverage comes out. It's going to be a lot like Hauschka versus Bass a couple of years ago. This is not really what I look forward to the most, but <laughs> people love talking about punters and kickers, man. Like it is, you know, and it's important. Listen, you know, games can come down to a field goal. Can they could come down to a, a botch punt on, I mean, go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers game when mm. Matt Hawk had that punt blocked. I mean, it, it changed the course of that game. And so, you know, I get it. It's important. You want to have all your ducks in a row. You know, if, you, if you're high on the punt game from Ariza, you really want to just see him solidify things as a holder. Uh, we just didn't get a chance to see it during this during this process. Yeah, and I was just alluding to uh, Sal Capasio sharing two videos today on his timeline. And it was the punters snapping the ball to one another. But there was one where Matt Hawk snapped the ball to Ariza and he, and he caught it clean. Uh, on that play. So it wasn't in, in a live practice mode by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, as Sal said, you know, this is a big moment. Fans have been asking him and asking the media left and right about uh, Ariza holding the ball. Sure enough, he caught it pure and he, he was holding it up there. But uh, more of the special teams guys having some fun at practice. Yeah. And I apologize. I was uh, for that portion. I was actually on the other side of the field and I was getting some video that I will put out later today of James Cook. Um, running through some drills. I got some uh, D linemen on the sled. Uh, got a little O line, not a lot. And I, uh, of course, got some, uh, I think I got some Khalil Shakir too to put out um, that it'll sprinkle out over the next couple of days. Nothing that was so mind blowing that I had to put it out right away, but it's tough. We, we don't have as much mobility. Like I, I, I remember in years past, I love getting up close over on the sleds where I can really get up and see the the defensive lineman going through it. And that was kind of a fun little thing. We can't stand over in that section of the track. Same thing with the receivers, but I, I zoomed in today and tried to do it that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about Micah Hyde. Mid-season form. When we're talking about these safeties and, you know, debating what, what, what Jordan Poyer was going to do when he showed up for um, minicamp. If he did, I always thought if he was in the building, if it was on the practice field, they were going to participate and go hard. They're just too competitive and too much of, you know, hands on to, to, to not do that. They're just wired that way. And to watch today as Micah Hyde is, you know, playing an 11 on 11 after not being here for any of the spring and absolutely just running stride for stride with anybody that he got kind of lined up and linked up against. I mean, it's, it's really impressive to watch. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, these guys have set a standard over the last couple of years, him and Poyer specifically, but on, on a play today that really stood out to me, McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, fresh off of his starring role on uh, America's Got Talent, which I actually walked up to him today and congratulated him about. And I asked him because Little known fact about me. Did I talk about this on the show yesterday? I'm an AGT fiend. Did I ever tell you, you about not. this? No. Uh, I think I, I broke this news on the Sal Capaccio show today. But um, a little known fact about me, I was in show choir in uh, in high school. So I used to sing and dance and, and do all that. I don't know if I ever told you about this. So I have an appreciation for like the voice, America's Got Talent. I really like those models more so than um, – uh, what's the original one? American Idol. With 
yeah, American Idol. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think American Idol, I liked it when it's, when it first came on, but when Simon Cowell left, I, I, I don't know. I didn't like it as much, but I would say if I was estimated, I've probably watched in my lifetime, 1000 of these reality show auditions. I just love them. I could, I could get lost in the YouTube, um, rabbit hole. If I, if I go too far down, actually, and if you, if you're like me and you like these, the one of this last cycle that you have to watch it is a country singer from, I believe, Australia or New Zealand. Her name is Kaylee Bell, I believe. She did. She wrote her own song using only lyrics from Keith, all Keith Urban songs, and actually auditioned for it. Keith Urban was one of the judges. Dude, I got goosebumps watching it. It was such a cool show. They immediately made it into a music video, which I, I recently saw too. So just to kind of give you a preview of how far into this I am. So I walked up to Isaiah and I said, listen, it's tough to impress me. Seen, I've seen a lot of auditions. You guys did a great job. And what was really great about it was the way that they came back after Simon Cowell was like, all right, uh, can you do it without the track behind it? Because I want to just hear the vocals. And they came back. They did it without a, you know, missing a beat. It was a really good job. But anyway, I asked them what it was like being up there because I always envisioned, like, if I actually got up there, what it would be like. I, I could never. I'm not that good to audition for American uh, America's Got Talent. But if I did, I can't imagine, like, the overwhelming – like nerves of it. And he said, it was like, Oh my gosh. And he said, he said it was overwhelming. He also said during his press conference that he was asked, where did you, you know, learn that you, you could sing. And he said, you know, the shower car, we all do it. Right. Anyway, back to the football. So McKenzie <laughs> was on a nice route, uh, down, like kind of like down the middle of the field. And he had locked up with, you know, Micah Hyde. And I'd say for 30 yard, 30 ish yards, they were going stride for stride. Hyde was in his back pocket, ended up being an incomplete pass. And I think, you know, Hyde didn't have a press pass play up or anything, but it was just the the coverage was so tight that I don't I just don't know that McKenzie can make a play on the ball because of how good Hyde had the coverage. And I think that that's pretty impressive for Micah Hyde on just his second practice of the spring to show up and just ball out like that. I want to make note of it. Yeah, and it is impressive, but you know how in your observations yesterday, you're like, you know, do I ever mention Josh Allen? No, not often because he's the level of excellence now is expected. It's the same thing with Mike Hyde. He kind of uh, doesn't get enough love or appreciation for what he does because he's so good at what he does. So again, I'm I'm glad you mentioned uh, how well he's performing here early on after uh, not being here for a few weeks. But uh, again, the, the Bills fans that have watched this team, that have watched Micah Hyde specifically, he has been outstanding since day one, and it's no shock that he continues to be out, an outstanding player playing at an elite level here in 2022. All right. What else we got, Ryan? Anything else? We got a super chat there, Matt. Let me oh, put it wow. up there Thomas for you. Zone. What is the group that has the highest grade on so far in the most worrying group? So from what you've wow. seen without getting into too many specifics, what group are you – do you have the highest grade on and which one maybe are you the most concerned about if there is a unit that you're concerned about? So you got to take out the lines right off the jump as even like considering them just because of the, the practices that we've had, right? Like it's hard to evaluate the offensive line knowing that the defensive line is not really pursuing the quarterback every day, you know, or every, every play. I will say this, the group that I was least impressed with probably early on was the tight ends. You know, uh, Tommy Sweeney was kind of quiet. Then he got injured. I thought OJ Howard's been a little bit less than um, impressive. 
But I think they've bounced back. Like Quint Morris has had a couple really good practices this week. Uh, he had another catch today. I think he had a touchdown catch today that I don't think I noticed or or noted or maybe he had a nice catch. I can't remember, but I, it just didn't make the the observations. Uh, Jalen Weidemeyer, I think, has has done really well and shown up uh, himself. Dawson Knox has made a couple really good plays as well. So I can't put them in a group where you know least impressive just because they've really pulled things up and, and I think done a really good job the last few um, practices. I think the group that's impressed me the most has been the receivers. Stefan Diggs has been, um, oh my gosh, good thing. Thomas, you saved the show because if we would have gotten out of this show and I did not mention the play of the day today, you know, Stefan Diggs has been, whenever his number has been called the last couple of days, last when he's been in OTAs, boom, he's making plays. Today he made the play of the day. Allen just uncorked one down the right sideline. Cam Lewis, unfortunately for him, got locked into one-on-one Stephon Diggs uh, coverage. That's usually not going to end well. As good and scrappy as he is, uh, Diggs makes the the big play down the sideline, uh, hauls in the the catch. And so, um, yeah, so I'm going to go receivers because Stevenson struggled early. Isaiah Hodges was banged up. Those guys both came up and had a big week here uh, for mini camp. I thought Isaiah Hodgins had a great day yesterday. He made another big catch today. Stevenson was a little bit scrappy today as well. He made a couple catches as well. And then I think, you know, Shakir, it's, it hasn't been, you know, super boom uh, or, or anything like that, but I think he's been solid. He's made a couple catches. Uh, he's got his uh, leg wrapped or, or taped up still uh, that I think is of, of note, but I think the receivers have been the group that has been, the highest grade across the board. Tanner Gentry has had some really explosive days as well. He hasn't had a huge week this week of note, but in OTAs, I, I thought he shined a little bit. So, you know, I don't know if there's a group I'd say I'm worried about. It probably, the tight end group was trending that way, but, you know, credit to Weidemeyer and Quentin Morris for really pulling that group up here uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. And again, it's hard without pads. The defensive groups are really, it, it's hard to really give an evaluation knowing that they don't have the ability to really play the game the way they need to play. Maybe the most worrying group, maybe you could say it's the specialists because we haven't seen, you know, Matt Ariza hold yet. And and that's going to be now a question mark going into training camp just because we haven't seen it. Maybe he's in the field house. Maybe he's out there when we're not out there and he is just absolutely crushing it, but we haven't seen it yet. So if you're, if you want to talk about maybe a worrying storyline, that might be it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and listen, uh, a few points here, maybe a little off topic, but tight end room real quick. Dawson Knox last night, Bills Mafia, you pulled through in a big way. He's in a competition with the other tight ends from tight end university, uh, trying to raise money for the boys and girls club of Buffalo, uh, one of the Buffalo locations. And then the boys and girls club of his hometown. Uh, when he first noted it, he was in, I believe ninth place under a thousand dollars. As of the last time I looked, he was over the $20,000 point. Uh, more than about $15,000 more than num- than second place, which I believe was Travis Kelsey. Greg Kittle was in third. And, and then the Bills fans, you're even responding with other, you know, giving donations to other tight ends on the Bills. O.J. Howard was in ninth place the last time I looked. Someone said Jalen Weidermeyer was in 21st. So, I mean, un- unbelievable by this fan base. So kudos to you guys on that. Uh, Stefan Diggs, real quick, one last thing on him. I talked about it yesterday, how he was really excited about the Tavon Austin signing. Another guy that's having a, a nice little uh, offseason here so far since joining the Bills. He even said on Instagram today, you know, feeling motivated by having Austin in, in the room with him. It was in his Instagram story. I thought that was an interesting tidbit because, again, Tavon Austin has not been a superstar per se in the NFL. But he knows what 
Austin was at college, what he can bring to this team. And it seems like it's really given uh, Stefan Diggs here a little bit of extra juice here early on in the offseason. Uh, thank you so much to Thomas Valzone for the uh, very uh, cool super chat. We appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much. We've had a nice run here of what four or five weeks, uh, also including mini uh, rookie mini camp, where we brought we brought you those uh, practice shows that we, we we love love doing. I mean, really, the start of the Shallow Podcast three years ago, you know. This was that when 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 fans couldn't be around the practices and you know when training camp came around came along and and bringing those things to you when you guys can't be in the eyes and ears at practice we really value that role and being able to discuss them uh, things that happen in practice and uh in in the setting that Ryan and I have and we're always grateful for all of your support that you give us Ryan Talbot give us your final thought. Final thought, you wanted to know about the Hawaiian shirt, uh, Hawaiian day at work today, so I had to sport it, had to get festive, Matt. Final word, aloha, means good hello and goodbye. And we're not going to say goodbye for too long. We'll be back next week with our uh, normally scheduled Wednesday show. I'm going to work on maybe some uh, some guest ideas. Hey, if you have a guest idea, if you're like, man, I would love this person to be on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, somebody that's been on before, a new name, hit me up. Um, listen. DM me anytime. I'll give you my phone number too if you want. If you're a regular of the show, I don't care. Shout is brought to you as always this offseason by Value Home Centers. If you are a customer and you go to valuehomecenters.com, you can shop anytime online. Buy whatever you want online. You can pick it up in store today or shop their huge selection. They'll ship it to the store that's most convenient for you. You can pick it up there. Text VALUE, V-A-L-U, to 80692. You join their text program. You'll receive a $10 off a $40 purchase coupon. Plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Get some sleep. For the next five weeks, we will be back, obviously with regular shows, but training camp, it's going to be every day after practice, bringing you everything we can uh, from from the setting. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.